So Jesus has a few things to <clears throat> say to us about seeds and about producing and about life. Very similar to the verse that was there in Mark chapter 4, verse 8. He says, Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up, and it grew, and it produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times. Luke 8.15, he says, The seed on good soil stands for those who have a good and noble heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And last week we shared with you guys John chapter 12, verse 24, where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. So you guys, there's something that God loves. And what he loves is life. He loves life. In fact, there's something that God is. And he is life. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And what's interesting is that everything that's actually living, that has life, produces something. That's what living things do. Every cell multiplies and more comes out of one thing that's living. And so it's amazing. And I know last week, um, many of you came down here. Let's grab one out of here. And uh, you put a seed in this, in this pot. And I just want to say again to us, you guys, we got to be careful not to, not to uh, lose the amazement of some of the things that we just know. Here's what's amazing, is what's in this seed. Seriously, isn't it amazing? <laughs> that inside this little thing that I can hold between my two fingers is a sunflower that could grow up, and I'm about six feet tall, and my hands can go up to about eight feet, and they're bigger than that, <laughs> and they're grand, and aren't they glorious? I mean, a sunflower is just, it's just glorious, and it's in here. That's amazing to me. But here's what's even more amazing. Is that not only is there one sunflower in here, there is the potential and the power to have an entire field of sunflowers come from this one seed. Now that is amazing. It's amazing. When you see that, wasn't that beautiful, that picture of that field? And to think that all of it can come from one seed. And here's what's the reality, you guys, is you know that seed has to go through a process before any of this happens. The first thing that has to happen is a seed has to receive something. And that's why we put it, we said it has to go into some ground where it can receive nutrients, and it has to receive water, and it has to receive sun. If that doesn't happen, if you don't receive something, that seed doesn't have a chance. But the other thing that's interesting is if you put it in the ground so it can receive all of that, the other thing that happens is that seed dies, right? It dies. Because if it doesn't die, it doesn't produce anything else. So the seed receives something and then it dies. And then, I mean, weren't those pictures awesome? I mean, I just, I, it was funny when we were playing this service, I just Googled um, a sunflower seed and then hit those images, you know? I couldn't believe, I love the ones where the sprouts are just coming out of them. Because when it's under there, what's going to happen? As soon as it starts to receive and as soon as it dies, it's going to start creating roots. And roots have to go down into the soil to continue to bring in the nutrients and the water that it needs to have. So you grow roots, and then after it has roots, it starts to grow. But after it grows, you guys, it gets to this point where eventually, and this is what's critical to understand, the final product of a sunflower is not just the growing. The final product of the sunflower is when it blooms and comes out for all of God's glory. <laughs> See, that's what's a mature, a mature, complete sunflower is one that now brings glory and has seeds in it to produce even more. That's what's mature. 
And I don't know if you guys, but man, I tell you, Susan and I, we got all these roses. We got all these flowers out in our front yard. And man, when our kids were little, all the time, we'd have to give up. Don't quit picking the buds. You guys see anybody else? You're like, there's flowers on those. Don't you? Well, man. See, and, and so you totally miss it. It rooted, it grew. And before it ever had a chance to actually be mature, so that everybody could enjoy its beauty and so that it could produce seeds that would produce more plants, people are missing out on that. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. See, because God wants us to be mature. God wants us not only to grow, but he wants us to eventually live lives that actually produce fruit and produce a life for ourselves and for his glory and for others. And, and I know this one thing about you. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian here today and you're kind of checking this whole you know, thing out, which, which is why we exist, we're so glad that you're here. Basically today, you're going to kind of hear, oh, so that's what you think's going to happen if I do this. Yes, I do. But today, I want to talk to every one of you who are followers of Christ because I know this about you. If you're a Christian, there's something inside of you, it's called the Holy Spirit, by the way, that makes you long for more. You want to grow. You want deeper things. You want more experience. You want everything that God has for you. It's just inside there and he will never leave you alone. It just keeps going and keeps going and it keeps going. And what I'm telling you is he wants you too, as well, to come to maturity, to the place where you reveal his glory and where your life produces something that could eventually even leave a legacy, like a field full of flowers from one little seed. Jesus put it this way in John 15, 5. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. You guys know this? He goes, apart from me, you can't do anything. But if I'm actually in you, because I'm the life, if I'm in you and you're in me, if you're connected to me, guess what? You're going to produce fruit. And then he says later, he says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. He goes, I want this to happen with your life because then God gets glory. And he goes, he goes uh, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, so what Jesus is saying is, hey, this is how you show everybody that you're my disciples is that you actually bear fruit. This is how it works. And so, and there's another place in Ephesians 4, 16, where it talks about the whole idea that the body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And the body is the church. So what he's saying, you guys, is the church, if it's alive, if it's living, two things should be happening. It should be growing and it should be building itself up. So this is why we value, our value at K2, we value multiplying. We value growing. Because we believe that that's what Jesus values and that's what his life does. So the church should grow. I just want to tell you, I, I think K2, the church, should grow and it should be bigger always than what it is. And I know there's lots of people who go, man, I don't like that. I, I don't, seriously, I don't, because if the church grows, it's not the way it used to be. You know, and I liked it when it was all like, and we don't want, because I like, hear that? Because I liked it like this. And so other people will say, oh yeah, well, you're just about getting bigger. And I go, I think God was too. Isn't that what Jesus was trying to do? See, what did Jesus say? He goes, on this rock, I'm going to build my church on the confession of Peter's on faith in me. I'm going to maintain my church. Is that what he said? He goes, you know what? If you guys put faith in me, we're going to stay just like it is. It's going to be great. We won't make a dent anywhere. It'll be awesome. Okay, let's all huddle and get together. No, he said, if you actually put faith in me, then I'm going to come inside you and I'm alive and I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And forceful men are grabbing a hold of this. So I just got to tell you, man, I'm committed. I, we want to grow because every time we grow, that means more people are having the opportunity to engage with the living God. And more, there's more light and there's less darkness. There's more life and there's less death. Dude, who doesn't want that? Anybody? I'm, who wants that? Okay, awesome. Now here's the other part, and just as important. The church grows and it builds itself up. Do you know what that means? Is a body should be getting stronger and more healthy. 
If you're really growing as a body, guys, you guys remember that? I mean, every once in a while already, my kids, they get growing pains, you know, because they're like, you know, the awkward kid in eighth grade who's like 6'10", and he's trying to play basketball, you know, and, you know, he's, he can't do it. It's like, oh, chill on you. Whoa, you're too tall. And we need to get, get some mass on. See, it's important that the church grow in strength. So it's critical that you, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're going to be mature and complete in Christ, you need to grow in your faith. It needs to get stronger. You need to get healthier. You need to get the crud out that's not of Christ and get more purified in who he is. Both of those are important to God, that your faith grows and that the church grows. And I think if you're a Christian, you're saying, I want to grow. I just, I want to grow. I want to be mature. So here's the deal. I can't, I mean, I was, I, I could not wait to do this message. I've been wanting to do this one for weeks. I want to share with you guys a real key that literally transformed me. And what's interesting is it transformed me twice. So it means it's probably going to happen again here in a few years. It transformed me when I was 19 and it transformed me just this last year. See, you know what the Bible says? We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I think I'm going to share some stuff with you today that some of you are going to go, you mean you didn't know that? Like you're our pastor? Come on, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but I think some of you are going to go, huh, that's what I'm hoping. Because if we could get our minds renewed today, we could be transformed into people whose lives produce fruit unto the glory of God. And so we're going to pray. And here's the deal. I'm going to, you've got to pray. Because this is like Jesus said. He goes, sometimes the seed goes out, which is meant the word of God goes out, and sometimes it falls on paths and it just gets hard. It finds a hard heart and just gets trampled on. Sometimes it goes out and it finds rocky paths, and sometimes there's thorns. But he said, sometimes when the word goes out, it actually finds good soil. And the good soil of a heart is one who hears it and retains it, and then by persevering produces the crop. So I really do believe in these next 30 seconds even, what I'm going to give you a chance to do is kind of rototill your heart a little bit. (laughs) Cultivate the soil of your heart a little bit and go, okay, God, I'd like you to actually plant a seed today in my heart that has a chance to grow. Okay? So I'm going to pray for you, but you pray as well and open your heart to God today. Okay, here we go. God, oh, man, I so love this reality so love you. I so believe in you. I know you're real. I know you're alive. And I know that you give life. I also know that you know every person in this room. And you know, God, how Well, you know what the state of their heart is right now. And you know what you want to do with every seed that's in this room, that every life to you, God, is a seed that has unbelievable potential to bring beauty and glory and life into this world. And every one of us in this room There is so much potential and power to grow and to multiply and to produce life all through this valley. So God, I am praying with all that's within me that you would just do more than we could even begin to imagine according to your power at work within us. Give us life. This life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. John 17, verses 18 and 19. John 17, verses 18 and 19. This is a great prayer. If you want to read a great section of Scripture, read chapter 17 of John. <clears throat> it's his last prayer that he's praying to his father right before uh, he's going to go to the cross. And uh, so he prays this. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. 
So here you go. And if you could leave up the second verse while I'm teaching, that'd be awesome, Steve. Thanks. So sanctified, uh, another one of those good words, right? <laughs> like last week we had atonement and we had uh, redemption. And uh, how many of you use sanctified this week in your workplace? Anybody got that one down? See, it's another one of those words that we don't really know what it means. Here's what it is. Sanctified, uh, another word for it meant holy. If you, so when you hear the word holy, it also means sanctified. And literally what it meant, means, you guys, is it means you, to make a cut. If you take a pair of scissors, had some cloth, and you cut it, that is what the word meant, to sanctify. Here's why. Because if you cut something in two, then it separates, okay? And it's, it's different. Now we got two pieces. And so what the, what the word literally means, if you sanctify yourself, what you do is you set yourself apart. So when Jesus was saying, as I sanctify myself, what he was saying was, I'm setting myself apart unto you, God. I'm not going to be engaged in the ways of the world. I'm going to be engaged in your ways. I'm not going to follow the things of this world. I'm going to follow you. So the way I've been saying this, after I read this, is, is literally what he's saying is, I am unto you, unto God. That means you are sanctified. You are set apart. And so we're in a process, you guys. If you're a follower of Christ, if you read the Bible, two things have happened. When you received Christ, it says that he sets you apart. He sanctified you, actually. You now belong to him. The Holy Spirit, the sanctified is now inside you. And now you actually belong to God. But it's really cool because the Bible also says that we are being sanctified. So in other words, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. That's what that means. So if you're being sanctified, it means you're being set apart unto God. You are, uh, like Jesus Christ, completely unto God. Okay? That's what that means. So he says, I sanctify myself. But here's what's interesting. Why does he sanctify himself? What does it say? For them. I had never seen this before. In fact, I told somebody else this week, and he goes, where's that at? And I'm like, it's in John 17, verse 19. For them, I sanctify myself. So here you go. So I want to talk to all you guys today who are Christians and who are saying, you know what, man? I want to grow, and I want to mature, and I want to be more like Jesus, and I need more stuff. So here's, here's the answer right here that might be different for you. Because I grew up, you guys, in a movement that was kind of like personal holiness. Anybody else grow up in like the personal holiness deal? Okay, you and me. All right, thanks. We'll go have coffee later. Uh, any good old Methodists out there? Any Methodists out there? Two? Okay, all right. So, uh, all right, well, you guys are all free. You're good to go. So anyway, but basically, um, the personal holiness, but I guess you guys do this because the mentality is this. Once you receive Christ, you go, man, now I have got to become the best Christian that I possibly can be. And you put all of your energy and all of your focus on how pure I am. And am I doing this? And am I reading enough? And am I doing that? Am I serving? And, and I'm, oh my gosh, because I've got to sanctify myself. How many of you guys do that? Oh, come on. Is anybody out there? Seriously? Are you guys that perfect? This, okay, because I think what most Christians do, especially when you grow, is you're saying, usually what happens is you get to this point where you're like, I need to learn more, and I need to be more, and I need, I need more. And then we think that's going to sanctify us. And what totally hit me this year was Jesus says, I don't sanctify myself for me. It's not like Jesus was going, hey, God, I'm going to set myself apart to you so I can look really good. You know, look at me. No, he was never about himself. His sanctification, his setting himself apart unto God was always for others. So if you are experiencing this drive and this hunger for more and to be more like Christ, then really what that means is eventually you should get to the place where you're not even thinking about yourself. And I, and I just, when I, I read that this summer, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because you know what? I'll just confess, man. I constantly think about myself in what I thought was a good way. But here's the whole point, man. If you're constantly under the pressure of like, man, I need to be more of this and I need to be more of that and I need to be more of this and I need to be more, more of that. Anybody else feel that? <laughs> Where it's like, I need to be more what Jesus wants me to be. It's like, oh my gosh, what a burden. And so finally, I feel like what God was saying, do you ever read the scriptures where it says, rejoice in your holiness always? You guys ever read that passage? See, that's what I realized I was doing. I was trying to rejoice in my own holiness. And then I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, I'm just not holy. And now I can't rejoice. 
And, and Jesus was going, read the Bible, you idiot. See, it says, it, says, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's your holiness. And all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, I, you, even if you looked at my prayers, when I write them out, all my prayers were trying to get myself in line with God. And finally, after I realized this, I'm like, man, if I'm really growing in Christ, I'll be praying for you, not me. You guys see what I'm talking about? So man, if you're on this journey, one of the biggest things we've got to be careful about in discipleship of growing in Christ is getting to this place where it's constantly trying to make ourselves be holy. The way you're holy is you don't even think about yourself. Is you fix your eyes on Jesus and you're so grateful for what he's done for you. And as you rejoice in him, it sets you free. And next thing you know, you're able to love others. I'm telling you. So here's my phrase, and it has been for a year now. I find myself saying this all the time. Unto God for others. That is maturity. That is Christ getting you to be a beautiful, glorious sunflower for him. That is the life that will produce seeds into other people when it's unto God for others, unto God for others. Now, I've shared this story here before, you guys, but I, I actually had learned this lesson once before, uh, probably many times, but when I was 19 years old was the first time I learned it. So when I gave my life to Christ, and I completely... And I uh, left everything in Michigan, went down to this little school, Asbury College. And if you guys have ever done that, man, when you totally give your life to Christ, it is pretty wild because he's all you want. I mean, that's all I could care less about anything else. I was so excited. I just wanted to know God and I wanted to grow and know God. And then I'm there and there was this girl, Lori. And all of a sudden there were uh, something else I wanted to be focused on. And, um, <clears throat> and she was something else, man, I tell you. And um, so I pursued her hard. Same thing happened when I met my wife, Susie. I met her at a, at a breakout session in a, in a conference. And uh, as soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, wow, there's something different about her. Well, there was something different about Lori too. And it was this. I had this new faith and I was so excited about what God was doing for me. And Lori had the same faith and she was so excited about how God was using her for others. I was excited about it for me, and she was excited about what she had to give others. And the more I hung out with her, I knew of her for only about three months. She literally, God used her to turn my heart in a 180 degree direction. And I finally realized, when you receive Christ, it's never just for you. Oh, it's for you, <laughs> for sure. But the way that it's for you, is it sets you free from yourself. You guys, I mean, if you're sitting there and it's like, oh my gosh, and you're just like, you know, I need more Jesus, I need more Jesus, I need, I need more, I need more, I need more. You know, what happens? You get fat is what happens. And there's a whole lot of Christians going, oh, they need to be on Biggest Loser, spiritual version, you know? Seriously. Because there's all these Christians going, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm not doing anything about it, but, you know, and what happens is another version of that is he uses the water example. See, if water keeps coming and coming and coming and it doesn't ever get out, what's that called? It's called a swamp. I lived by a swamp. You ever been by a swamp? They stink. Swamps aren't even life-producing. And so what happens is if you just receive and just for you, if it's just for you, then it's still about you. And Jesus died so you wouldn't, what? Live for yourself. So what happens is Christ comes in, he finally sets you free from yourself, and everything that you receive, you realize it's for others. And what's that? That's a stream. That's a river. And rivers are life-giving, and they're powerful. I mean, they're powerful. And that's what God is saying to us. In fact, that's what Jesus said. If anyone believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. Oh, so my question to all you Christians, do you have that? You have a stream of living water flowing not just into you, but out of you unto the world. Are you unto God for others? Now, let me flesh this out for you in a great passage. If you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have them, it'll be up here on the screen. And I'm just going to unpack this for you, show you how this works. Colossians 1, I'm going to be in verse 3. I'm going to read the whole thing and then I'll unpack it. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus 
and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, (laughs) this gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and that you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Okay, now let me show you this. Going back to verse three and four. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Let me just stop right there. Can I just say one of the funnest things for me this morning, every service, is, is just looking out and seeing those of the you that I know who are unto God for others. You guys know, right? The K2, the church, is nothing unless there's people in this place who are unto God for others. And I just want to, I, as a, as a pastor here, I just want to say thank you to Thank you. Because Paul just says, thank you. And he goes, I thank God for you. But why? There's two reasons. The first one is this. Because we've heard that you have faith in Christ. In other words, we heard you're actually unto God. Because that's what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what's faith? Faith is an undying, unwavering belief that leads into a complete trust in God. If you have faith in God, what you're saying is, I believe in you with all of my heart, and I trust you, so I follow you. In other words, faith is, because faith without action is dead, faith is, I live out what I believe. And there are some, and they're just, Paul's looking at these guys in class and going, man, you guys have faith in Christ. I thank God. You're unto God. You're separated. You're sanctified unto him. And then what was the second thing, though? I also thank you. Why? Because you love everybody. (laughs) You love everybody. Do you guys see it? It's right there again. I thank God for you because you're unto God for others. You have faith in Christ and you love everybody. And this is how it works. So in verse 5 he goes, The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Now I love that, how it says this faith and love. So what he's saying is, you have faith and you have love but I love that. And it springs forth. Okay? Isn't that, you guys remember that, the picture that was so cool where, the, where the, the plant was just coming out of the ground? Where it all of a sudden, isn't that, and I just thought of this, didn't say that. It's called spring, right? Because stuff is coming forth. How, how interesting. And so Paul says, sorry, but, but Paul says, if you have faith in God, and you're living, if you're actually unto God and you're actually loving other people, it springs forth from something. It doesn't just happen. It springs forth, for, so, springs forth from something. And what is it? He goes, it springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that came from you. What Paul is saying here, you guys, is the people who are unto God for others, they heard the gospel and it took effect in their life. What's the gospel? Shared it with you last week. You know what the gospel is? It's the greatest news in all the world. The gospel is the reality of helping human beings understand that you're separated from God and he's life. There is no eternal life within you. You're separated from the one who can give it to you. And with any relationship, that has problems where there's separation, forgiveness needs to take place to be reconciled, to be brought back together. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for God's wrath to be wrapped up within himself so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be brought back into relationship with God. And what's the hope of glory? The hope of glory is Christ in you. 
See, the gospel is now the reality that I know for me today and all of you who are Christ followers that the life-giving spirit of God is in me. That's the hope that I have. And, he says, and it's stored up in heaven. See, because the other thing that happens, as soon as you understand the gospel, it awakens your eyes up and you go, oh, this isn't what it's all about. There's a whole eternal reality that you and I are heading towards. And you know what he says? And you're going for sure because now you have eternal life within you. And here's the other thing you guys know, right? You guys know this, right? When we die, you ain't taking nothing with you. Nothing. All that we work for, all of our possessions and all of our toys and all of our belongings and all of our efforts, when we die, nothing's going to go with us at all except one thing. One thing that's going to happen. We're going to stand, well, two, let me tell you two. The first thing that's going to happen is we're going to stand before our maker. And oh, how I want to hear him say, Dave, well done. You are unto me. You lived with faith in me. Second thing that's going to happen, and it's going to be the only thing that matters, is there's going to be people there. The only thing that's going to matter to you when you see God is that you're right with him and that you lived a life of faith in Christ and that you brought other people with you. See, so once you get the gospel in life, Jesus takes this little seed and he penetrates your very soul with his presence. All of a sudden, this life that says, I live unto God for others, overwhelms your being and you start to say, you know what? I realize I'm living for eternity. I want to do what God wants me to do and I want to take as many people as I can with me. Anybody else with me? Okay, see, that's what happens. It springs forth once you have tasted this. And then, it's so cool. And then in verse 6, it says this. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. All over the world. You guys, here's a statement, and it's true. When the gospel takes effect in someone's life, it cannot stay contained. Let me say it again. When the gospel takes effect in someone's life, it cannot stay contained. Because the real gospel is the life of Christ inside a human being, and life produces fruit. You can't just have it for yourself. The life of Christ always produces life, and that's how it ends up going all over the world. And then I love verse 7 and 8. It says, you learned this from Epaphras. How many of you guys ever heard of Epaphras? Did you think it was a disease or something? Like, I got some Epaphras. Um, No, he goes, you learned this from Epaphras, a really unknown guy, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ, a faithful servant of Christ. You guys, what I love about this passage, you know what Epaphras was? He's one of these. And I love the fact that Paul brought out the reality that that whole community was changed and the gospel was growing and spreading all over the place because one dude named Epaphras died to himself and lived unto God for others. Oh, what it must have been like for Epaphras to stand before Jesus with all those people around because he just died to himself. One person, and it's you. And then he closes in verse 9 and 10. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit. Now, here's what's interesting. So Paul starts off this passage, and he goes, man, you guys in Colossians, I, you rock. I thank God for you because you live by faith in Christ, and you love everybody. And then what's he say? And because of that, I'm praying for you <laughs> that you will not stop doing that. I'm praying for you that more and more of that will happen. I'm praying that you'll live a life worthy of the Lord. And what's a life worthy of the Lord? A life worthy of the Lord is one who says, I live unto God for others. And I'm just telling you, man, and we need to pray for each other. 
because it can be very easy to slip right back in and not do that anymore. And I'll just say it again. I shared this with you guys last week. See, I did that. I did that in December. I totally stopped living a life worthy of the Lord. And, and what did I do? And it actually wasn't that funny, but, uh, but what, and, and what did I do? I shared this with you. I simply started living for myself. In the month of December, it was not unto God for others. It was for me. And you know what happens when you start doing that? Is your soul starts to die. And I totally damaged and wounded the heart of my bride, who I love more than anybody else. Just not that month. It was amazing to me again how quickly we could become so disconnected after just a few short weeks of living for yourself. I'm telling you, unto God for others produces life. So I pray for you that you won't lose it because anybody can lose it. We need to hold each other and encourage each other and keep going because this is what God has for us. And you guys, what's so exciting to me is this is happening right here. This whole idea of unto God for others, multiplying itself is going all over the place. I'm gonna, let me just give you some examples. This week I met with Dave and Lene Feeling. I don't know if you know Dave and Lene, but they, they, uh, they're here part of K2. They were working with a high school ministry one day and a guy came and shared uh, the, the problems of the, of the needs of clean water around the world. So these, they heard the horrible statistics about that. They get home, and Dave is putting their new uh, little dude, uh, Jackson, in his crib. And as he's putting him down in the crib, he looks at him, and it just hit him. All over the world today, little baby boys like mine are going to die simply because they don't have clean water. And I'm going to go over, and I'm going to turn on my faucet, and I'm going to have it immediately. And God took Dave and Lene and they said, you know what? Hey, what you have, you need to start thinking about others. So they developed this new organization called Three for Five. You can look up it on the web, threeforfive.org. And you know what it is? It's so cool. All it is, is they ask you to give $5. That's it, $5. And then you find three people to give $5. That's all it takes. Because then those three people, right? They spend $5 and they find three people. You guys know, you see where this goes? (laughs) It's called multiplying. And what's so cool is I, I should have asked them what their staff... Are you guys here, by the way? Are they in here? No? Um, so I'll totally tell you numbers that probably aren't right. But it's something to the effect where literally by starting this deal, it's something like $17 million could be raised simply by this idea of one droplet, as they call it, finding three more droplets who will find three more. And next thing you know, $17 million. Is that not cool? Because one person took what they had and they started thinking about other people. So Jason Ludyard comes to me a few weeks ago. And Jason, if you guys know him, he's a big guy. Is he here? Okay, he's not here either. Good, I can just talk about these guys. Okay, so Jason comes in and he just, and he, and he, uh, he says, Dave, hey, at my other church back in Cincinnati, we used to do these building projects where we would take a whole day and the church would just take over a city. And he goes, I, and, and Jason goes to Africa like three or four times a year and does all these building projects. That's what he does. He's gifted in that. He knows how to do it. He's got leadership skills. And he comes to us and he says, I'm telling you, Dave, he goes, I is bursting inside of me. He goes, if we don't do something like that, I'm just, I don't know if I can handle it anymore. I'm like, okay, just don't hit me. Okay. And uh, so here it is. This summer, K2 is going to be doing a service day where we're going to be all over Salt Lake City and where we're going to grab other churches and we're going to come together to transform the community because one guy who has passion and who has skills is going to take what he has and he's going to think about others. Mark and Sarah Demiglio come to me. Mark's been telling me for just months and months about this passion that just rises up within him. He calls it compassionate hospitality. And basically, Mark and Sarah have all these, they have bedrooms in their home just like you and me. But if there's an empty bedroom, there's always somebody else living in it. Mark, they, they just, if there's somebody who needs housing, they want them in their house. In fact, I think they have an occupancy side now that with the no that blinks, you know, outside their home. Because there's always somebody there. But for Mark and Sarah, it's not enough. They're saying, man, if we could do what we have with just a couple thousand square feet, what if we had 10,000 square feet? What if we had 20,000 square feet? 
And now they're talking about creating housing for people who are in situations where they just need a place to stay. So just this last week, I met with Mark and Sarah, and we went to an organization in town who, are, who is working with the single women who have young children. And he's learning about this because what he has, he's now going to take it unto God for others. Is that not cool? So then you got Eric Lindquist. Eric loves music, he loves God, and he loves musicians. Same thing, something stirring inside of Eric. So the band that performed here last week that opened up, Eric's the one who brought them in. But he also brought them in and did a house concert for them the night before and got a concert set up on Sunday night. Because what Eric is saying is way too musicians travel all over the place and they have no community, no connection, no place to really perform their arts. So Eric has this dream to help musicians find community that matters. So when they come into a city, they're loved on, they're cared for, they're financially supported and encouraged to keep in their craft. Isn't that cool? He's taken what he has, and he's thinking about others. Amy King, right? What's Amy King have? Amy King has a broken heart. Because when she was 10 years old, her dad died. She had to live most of her life without a dad. And you know what God does to broken hearts? Is he redeems them, and he heals them, and he uses them. And Amy left us this month to go down to Austin, Texas, to be trained up and to figure out how to develop a ministry for kids who are voiceless and kids who are orphans and don't have a home. And we're praying, and her plan is to come back to make sure that in Utah and in Salt Lake City, there will not be a child who doesn't have a home. Is that not cool? What does she have? A broken heart, and she's taking it unto God for others. The Leones, you want to go all over the world? There's our architect family, right? Who sold their, quit their jobs and sold their homes and grabbed up their kids and said, we're going to take what we do and we're going to go to Manila. Then I meet this guy, James. And I, did, I spoke at the Roots College Group a couple weeks ago. There's this guy who's just on fire. And I'm like sitting there going, he rocks. I go, I got to meet with him. And, uh, but he beat me to it. I mean, after, after the Roots was over, he came up to me and said, hey, dude, can I take you out for lunch? I'm like, That's awesome. I mean, that is so cool because I wanted to meet with you. We go have lunch. He tells me his story. God has completely transformed this kid, taken his drug addiction, selling drugs, and he's completely wiped that out. And now his dream is to get into a house up by the university with a bunch of guys who are now living for Christ so they can bring in college students to help them see how they can become free too. Is that not cool? He's taking what he has and he's thinking about others. Then you got Terry Duncan. When she walked into my office the first time, Terry's life, it was a mess. She knew nothing about God at all. It was awesome. Everything, well, she did. It just wasn't right. And uh, so we got together and we talked about it. And Terry has experienced unbelievable transformation and freedom. She meets, me with, meets with me with Mary. And there's this passion rising up within her. And you know what it was? She goes, David, my life is changed. My life is changed. And I'm free. And you know what happens when the life of Christ comes inside you? It can't be contained. So you know what she did? She started a ministry called Breaking Free. She's got, every time I turn around, some woman's going, yeah, I'm in Terry's Breaking Free. I'm in Terry's Breaking Free. And people are now becoming, experience freedom as well. And her dream was to get women to experience it who would then take it and offer it to others. See, that's what she's doing. Then you got Sam Elbano. Sam came up to me one time. She said, man, God, I just so love the word of God and I want to study it and I want to figure it out. And and, and next thing you know, she's just passionate. And so we started K2U that happens on Wednesday nights to help you go deeper and to study God's word and to know what that means. Jonathan Crocker, guy in his 20s, came up to me a few months ago and just said, hey, man, Dave, he goes, I just, I've I've been doing this men's thing and it's been changing my life. And he goes, I just, would you look at it and see if it's good material? Because I'd love to get some young guys together and see if it could help them too. Well, he was at the men's conference this weekend. And sure enough, now Jonathan Crocker, guy in his 20s, has got all these guys who are going to join his group and learn how to be better men because he's living unto God for others. What changed in him, he now wants others to experience. Almost done. But then Alan Eckstein, one dude, one man who was changed by God. And what did the word, what did it say? The, the, The heart that hears the word retains it, and by persevering, produces a crop. And Alan has been persevering, sharing this vision to bring men together. And on this weekend, you guys, 250 men were in this place this weekend with an opportunity to receive from God. One seed impacting 250 men. And here's my favorite one. Laura Strickland, sweet, sweet Laura, decided to do a Bible study with Clara Kokerscheidt, Christian's daughter who's in junior high. Clara, because any junior high student would do this, right? Receives uh, from Laura. And so what she does is she buys the same Bible study book and invites my daughter, Mariah, who's nine years old, and starts doing the same Bible study with her. 
She picks her up, takes her to a coffee shop, and takes what she receives from Laura and passes it on to my daughter. And then last week, Mariah comes home and she goes, hey, Dad, I'm so excited. I got this new journal, and Emily and I are doing a Bible study. My nine-year-old daughter pouring now into her friend. You guys, kids get this. Is that not awesome? This is how it works, and it's happening right here. And I know God is looking at K2 going, you guys rock. Now he does. I mean, he is smiling and he is pleased with you because you have faith in Christ and you love everybody. You take what you get and you pour it out to others and the world, you guys, could be changed all over the world, all over this valley. K2, the church, could be one church of many if we would just do what it says, be a seed that receives. So here's what you do. What do you do? All right, you receive from God. And some of you right now, you've never done that. You are living on your own and you have never received the spirit of the living God who will give life to your soul. And you need to receive Christ who came as the savior of the world to reconcile you back to God. Once you receive him, and here's the reality, you keep receiving from him. I've been walking with him for, I don't know how long, 30 years now, whatever it is. I just, I keep receiving. So how do you receive? That's why you're here right now, right? I'm here on Sunday, come on. Give me something. Okay, you're receiving. You get in a life together group and you receive. Can I just give you guys another a way that you could receive? Is, is listen to some podcasts, okay? Now, because I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. I know we're not the greatest Bible teachers in the world. Okay, I know we're not. But I know there are great ones out there. And so sometimes you go, man, this, you know, you listen to these other guys and you go, God, I wish I could go to that church, you know? And you sit there and, and, and the whole deal is, it's, I'm sorry you live in Salt Lake because there aren't a whole lot of churches around here. But you know what's cool is you can grab a podcast and you can listen to the best teachers in the world. I do. That's how I receive. So let me give you a few names that you could listen to and you can download these today. Uh, Andy Stanley, who's down in, in, uh, in Georgia, does a great job of presenting truth and making it very practical. Um, uh, Mark uh, Driscoll up in Seattle. The dude loves the Bible and he preaches very passionately. I'm sure he'll tick you off at some point. It's really fun. Uh, another guy is Matt Chandler and he's down in Texas. And Matt is just awesome. New young guy, just really doing a fantastic job. John Burke is down in Gateway Community Church in Austin, Texas. Very similar to what we're doing. I really appreciate how clear he makes things. It's so, so helpful. Uh, the other guy I listen to is Francis Chan. Uh, he's not at his church anymore, so I got to figure out how to listen to him. But you guys, there are all the, it's so cool that in our technology today, you can receive all that you need so that you can grow. Okay? And then after you receive, what do you got to do? You got to root. And when the Bible talks about rooting, you guys, here's what it means. To root is two things. In Ephesians 3, it says you root together with all the saints in love. A guy at the conference said, man, he goes, I feel like every time you speak, you talk about how we need to be in relationship with each other. He goes, doesn't anybody listen? And I go, I don't know, but I'm going to say it again tomorrow. So here's the deal. You can't do this by yourself. If you want to last for the long haul, you've got to get rooted in relationships with people who hold you together when you start falling apart. The other thing you've got to get rooted in is his word. You have to get rooted in the truth. You know what's wild, you guys? Is, is, uh, you come here at K2, and you're going to receive 52 messages if you came every week. <laughs> you know, how many of you eat 52 meals in a year? <laughs> There's just no way. I mean, if you eat 52 meals, you're, you're going to be like starving, and so the part of the deal is you've got to figure out, just coming on Sunday isn't enough. Even a life together group in the middle of the week isn't enough. You've got to figure out how to open this puppy up and read because God loves you and he'll speak directly to you. His word is alive and active and it will root you in what is true. Okay, and then you've got to grow. After you're rooted, you grow. You guys, I only know one way to grow. And that is you have to take steps of faith. I have only grown when I've taken steps of faith. In other words, you can learn and keep getting more information and you can be so knowledgeable and never know God. And the only way this knowledge helps at all is when you take a step of faith and trust him, when you act out on it. If you really want to grow, if you really want life in Christ, you got to walk by faith. And so I just want to say, if you're not growing or if you're not producing fruit, I would say one of two things is happening. One is, you're living like I did in December. If there's sin in your life, you won't be producing fruit. 
First John says, if you, walk in the, if you claim to have fellowship with God, but walk in the darkness, you lie. Apart from Christ, you don't produce fruit. So part of you right now, if you, man, if you just know you've been stuck and you haven't been growing, the first thing you might need to do is just look at your life and say, is there sin? Am I separated from God? And just confess it and receive it. Like I said, man, when I got clean with God, immediately his presence and his joy and his freedom and his power came to me. It's the gospel. Now, here's another way. If you're not experiencing fruit coming from your life, the other thing could be is maybe God's pruning you. Because Jesus said, every vine that produces fruit, my father prunes. You ever seen a prune tree? They don't bear fruit. <laughs> so maybe God has you in a season where he's, and it says, and he prunes you so you'll produce more fruit. Sometimes as a follower of Christ, no, as a follower of Christ, you will go through seasons where you aren't productive and you're not producing fruit. But it's usually because if it's not sin, then it'll be because God is taking you to a deeper place. It's painful. But it produces a harvest of righteousness later on. So, Ben, come on up. So guys, as we, as we think about this, I just, what I want to share with you so deeply why we value multiplying is because God values it. Because he's life and life produces fruit. And if you're here and you're saying, I want to grow, I want to be more like Christ, I need more, then ultimately what you got to be shooting for is to live a life where you live unto him for others. You know what's wild? Lad sent me some stats. Because imagine with me, what would this place look like? What would K2 the church look like? If all of us today said, you know what? I'm done with me. What if you said today, I'm done with me? Jesus, have me. I'm putting my faith in you, and I'm going to start living for others. Lad uh, sent me a sheet here, and he said, we have about 1,500 people who show up on a Sunday morning. He said, Dave, if, if, uh, if just half the people who show up on a Sunday morning would pour into another individual this year and bring him in to kind of the church, he goes, next year, we'd have 2,250. Now, if only half, not everybody, we're not expecting everybody, if only half of us would do that again the next year, we'd have 3,375 people here. If just half of us were saying, I'm going to live for somebody else and help them to know Christ. You guys, guess, check this out. By 2020, so in nine years, in 2020, if just half of us every year would pour into one other person and bring them in, you know how big this church would be? 86,497 people. 86,497 people. If just half of us a year would bring in one more person. Jesus died. One person died because he lived unto God for others perfectly. And then he put his spirit into men and women who went out and they started living unto God for others. And the church ended up going all over the world. If you want to be part of K2, the church, we are going to be committed to living unto God for others so that we grow in strength and in health, and that we reach every person in this valley with the love of God. Now, Julie's going to lead us in worship, and here's what it's going to look like. It's going to take you through this process. The first one is just all about receiving. Okay, I got to receive. I just got to let God rain on me. I just got to let it come. But by the time the worship is over, it's going to be all about because I want to take what I've got, and I want to give it away unto you, God.